This is KMTT. We have the Shi'ul of Harav Ezra Bik on the Shmon Esri. The sixth bracha of Shmon Esri is Bukat Eslicha. Chanun HaMarbel Zloch. Last week's bracha, fifth bracha Shmon Esri was Bukat Etshuva. After repentance, after Tshuva, comes the first question is why they separate. Chazal made a point of not making one bracha for both. In our minds, in terms of what we're asking for, in terms of uh, what we want, we would normally put the two of them together. I'm repenting, therefore God should forgive me. Chazal made a point of separating the two. And I think the reason is 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 simple. Um, based on what we said last week. What is Berkat HaTshuva about? What am I asking for? So what I said last week, what I said in the previous, uh, in the previous episode, in the previous issue, was that we're not asking for God to do Tshuva for us. We're asking for God to repair the relationship. The L'Shuv El Hashem, to come closer to God, and also for God to come closer to us. That from the point of view of the need of man, is very different than the need that's expressed in the request for forgiveness. The slicha v'mechila. Last week's bracha was a request for being close to God. This week's bracha is a request to ameliorate, to prevent the consequences of, of sin basically to prevent punishment. In order to explain that, uh, let me examine the meaning of the words slicha or mechila. What I'm saying now is not particularly, I, I think, uh, new or even, uh, even deep. It's uh, the Pashup Shat in the words. We ask for slicha or mechila. Slach lano vino ki chatanu, machalanu, makenu, ki fashanu. Normally, when we think about those terms, there's a third term which jumps into mind immediately. It's in Sa'an Yom Kippur. Slach, Mechal, Vekaper. Kapara is not mentioned in this Bacharo. It's not mentioned anywhere in Shemaesu. And in order to understand why, I think we have to determine and define the terms used. What is Silicha? Forgiveness. What is Silicha? When we say a person a human being, forgives somebody else. It's a term that, after all, is not found only in the divine context. It's found in, in human nations as well. So, lislach means to change one's attitude so that one no longer is, is angry, one no longer maintains a grudge against somebody else. To forgive means to let go of the negative feelings that I had. And therefore, you should understand the context. Forgiveness, slicha, only applies where beforehand there was a an affront. I had something against you. You harmed me. Make this point clear. Let's say I'm walking in the street and I see somebody commit a crime. But the crime has nothing to do with me. Someone's double-parking. 
I'm walking on the sidewalk and someone is double parked. Um, it doesn't make sense that I should forgive him or not forgive him. He hasn't injured me. And therefore there's nothing to forgive. Forgiveness is when you've injured me in some sense and therefore I am angry at you. I have kpeda. I, I have a, I have a, 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 a point between you and me. If I let go of that, if I forgive it, if I let it go away, then I've then I've done then I've done slicha. Now you'll say we're talking now about God. How does this? Do my sins are they in a front? Do they injure God? The answer is yes. And Yadut, the answer is yes. Uh, Judaism does not accept the philosophic principle that human actions make no difference to God. A, a sin is an is an injury. It's a personal injury or a personal affront to God. I don't mean that that God has been diminished. I don't necessarily mean that God has been diminished by it. But, and we pointed this out in previous shurim, the kingship of God is diminished. The majesty of God is diminished. I think within the world, the sanctity, the presence of God in the world is diminished. And make no claim about God's feelings. Although I think there are sources in Judaism which would accept and justify speaking of God's feelings as well. But I'm not talking about that. I'm simply saying that objectively speaking, your sin is not merely a crime. It also affects the personal relationship between you and God because you have acted against God and not merely against justice or against the right. In Tanakh, and more importantly, the language of Chazal, has, has numerous mentions, numerous terminology, which, which indicate that. The very fact that Sukim verses speak of the anger of God, and of course there are many, Charon Af, why does God get angry when people sin? We're not even saying what the word means on a philosophic basis. But the very use of the word indicates that we're talking about something personal. A judge is not meant to get angry when somebody sins. If he does get angry when somebody sins or someone commits a crime, then he might very well have to uh, 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 recluse himself. Because he's taking it personally. If you take it personally, then you can't be an objective judge. But God gets angry when people sin because he's not objective about the sin. The sin... Is, is, is personally insulting to God. It's personally damaging or, or injurious to God. And God takes it personally. And that's why the Psukim constantly speak about God being angry. Or another term that's used in Psukim. Kel Kana, God is a jealous God. Again, philosophically, what that means, what does it mean that God is jealous? I don't know. But the context indicates that, yes, if you worship other gods, then you've insulted the true God. And God is, in some sense of the word, the proper reaction to your actions is is what's called kana'ut, what's called jealousy. And again, I mentioned something which I mentioned a week ago, that in this bracha, like in the previous bracha, we call God Avinu, and not merely Malkeinu. 
יסלח לנו אבינו כי חטאנו. וחל לנו מלכנו כי חשנו. And the reaction of a father to a sin is of course personal. And therefore, we can speak of סליחה. That the attitude, the feeling, so to speak, which one has towards someone who has injured you, you should get over them. That's what, that's what we call סליחה. מחילה. מחילה is a word taken from the legal context. Again, a human word. A word that's found in human social relations. But what is מחילה? The word מחילה is taken from דיני מומנות. It's taken from... from, from uh, from monetary matters. If you owe me money, I have a right to demand the money. You, you have to give me the money. I can limchol, meaning I, I, I abolish. I do away with what you owe me. I forego the collection of my, of my rights, of what's due me. Mechila, the concept, doesn't even necessarily require injury, sin, or crime. If somebody owes me money because he borrowed it from me, not that, it's not that he's a criminal. He didn't break my window or injure my person. He borrowed money from me. He owes me money. If he doesn't want to, if he can't pay and I'm a nice fellow, or if he can't pay and I'm a nice fellow, I can waive the payment. That's mechila. The exact opposite of slicha it has nothing to do with personal feelings. When you waive payment, you're not changing your feelings about the person. I liked him before, I like him now. I didn't like him before, I don't like him now. I could be angry at him, I'm not angry at him. It's nothing to do with anger. Simply, I'm 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 not affecting myself. I'm I'm affecting the obligation. I'm waiving the obligation. I'm changing the obligation. Those are the two terms which are used in this bracha. What is kapara? Kapara, we can understand immediately as something totally different. And the key to that is understanding that it's a word that's not taken from, taken from the human social environment. I can forgive people, I can waive their debts, but I can't atone people, for people, on people. You can't even say it. There's no way to say it. I can't atone people. Only God can lechaper. Only God can atone, can cause atonement, can grant atonement to people. And the reason is, once you think about it, you realize it's because it's not changing one's attitude. It's not waiving the obligation. It's changing the person. A person who has sinned, he needs atonement and God grants him atonement. The word kapara is close to the word cleansing, it's close to the word mikayon, shem lo yinakeh, or ken yinakeh. It's even closer to the word tahara, purity. There's a famous pasuk concerning Yom Kippur says, ki biyom azay yichaper aleichem, letaher etchem. And this day God will atone on you in order to purify you. Atonement means cleansing the dirt off the person. It's a concept that has to do with sin, it has to do with divine power. So, it turns out that Abacha is not talking about that at all. Now we understand why. The concepts are very closely related. But it's something which I mentioned a few times, and I'll mention it again. The Bechot of are not about what we get, 
but about what we need. It's about Tzorchei Ha'adam, the needs of man. And the need expressed in this bracha is not to be punished. If you sin, you're deserving of death. All other punishment. And what I want, Slicha umchila, is that God should not be angry at me, and His anger should not burn, and that He should not collect the debt. The debt is the punishment. That's all. Certain actions engender certain conclusions. If you borrow money, you owe money. If you do a sin, you owe society, God, the world, justice. You owe it a punishment. But God can waive the punishment because He's the one who collects. The reason why, so the need of man is to escape. Is to escape punishment. That's what this bracha is about. The previous bracha was about the need of man to achieve a relationship with God. The, the point of this bracha is to avoid punishment. Kapara something else. Even if you don't get any punishment, but you're still weighed down by the actual presence of sin. Sin is dirt. Sin is is destruction. Sin is corruption of your soul. It's Tumah in the language of the Pasuk from Yom Kippur that I took. It's impurity. And it's true. Man also needs to be cleansed of that but that's nothing to do with this Pacha. If you'll ask me, but so where is will be found? So I think the correct answer is that it's found in the next Pacha. But for that you have to wait for next week for me to explain. The next Pacha is Geula. Redemption. Redeeming me. I think redeeming me includes redeeming me from sin. But I'll explain that next week. My point now is merely in the negative point. It is not about, kapara is not about preventing punishment. And that is what our, our bacha today is, is about. And that's also why it's not connected to the previous bacha. The previous bacha is about achieving closest to God. This bacha is about avoiding punishment. And the next bacha will be about will be about redemption. Okay, that's the explanation. That's the basic explanation of the bacha, and I think we've explained it fine. And I think there's not much more to say. But there are a few things I'd like to say about the language of the bacha. Two points, basically. One is the expression key. Chatanu, ki fashanu. Slach lanu avinu, ki chatanu. Forgive us, God, for we have sinned. What does it mean, for we have sinned? Normally, the word ki, because, for, would mean that you should forgive us because we have sinned. That doesn't make any sense. Perhaps you should forgive us because we, we repented. That you don't forgive us because we've sinned, you punish us because we've sinned. So the obvious explanation is it doesn't mean because in the causative sense. It's forgive us for we have sinned and that's why we need forgiveness. In other words, the for we have sinned is not the reason for the forgiveness, it's the reason why I have to ask for it. And that's a simple explanation, that's really a fine explanation. But I think that it's very possible here that Chazal, in fact, do explain the word key in the usual sense. Ki chatanu, for we have sinned, is the cause, is the reason, is the basis for forgiveness. I think Chazal sometimes use it in that term. One place where this is found in Chazal is in Parshat Balak, where uh, talking about in, in Bamid Barabba, chapter 20, 
Mishnah Yud Gimel, the Midrash says that Balam, when he, he met the, the, the angel with the sword while riding on his mule, and when the angel explained to him what was wrong, he said, Khatati. The Midrash says, why did he quickly say Khatati? Because he knew the following principle that the Midrash says, which Balam, which, which, uh, uh, Bilam knew. Shekol Misha Chotevi Mel Khatati, Ein Rishut Lamalach Ligabo. Saying, I sinned, prevents the angel in that case from uh, attacking, from punishing you, from injuring you. Call me Shechotev Yomer Chatati, one who has sinned and says that he has sinned, the angel has no permission to injure him. Yushalmi in Tanit explains the following. Pasuk in Shmuel Aleph, Perek Zayin, Pasuk Vav, Vayomer Shmuel Chatanu Lashem. Yushalmi says as follows. Tanit Perek Bet, Mishnah Zayin. Lavash Shmuel Chalukan Shal Kol Yisrael. Shmuel is speaking in the name of the Jewish people. He said to God, Ribon HaOlami, Kluma Tadan Tadam Ella Al Shuomer Tanecha Lo Chatati. Isn't that true? Isn't the sentence? Isn't that true, God? That the only reason why you judge man is because he says, "I have not sinned," as is said, Pasuk in Yemayahu Perek Bet, "Hinenu nishpat otcha al omracha lo chatati." We judge you because you said, "I did not sin," but we we say we have sinned, and therefore Shmuel says to God, "Do not judge us." You have a a, a very interesting idea that in terms, I think, of punishment, remember the expression by Bilam was, the angel has no permission to injure him if he said khatati, if he confessed. Or din, dan et adam, judging, putting man on trial, is only because he refuses to recognize and confess to his sins. Chazal is saying that, at least to some extent, the purpose of punishment is to force man to admit, to recognize, to confront his state. I'm not talking about repentance here. There's a big difference between, it's an important stage of repentance, but a very early one. There's a big difference between recognizing hakaratachet and, and also repenting and, and taking it out of your system and regretting it and promising never to do it again and keeping that promise. But Chazal say, and I think this bracha might reflect it, that confession itself is really a cause of forgiveness. God, talking about first of all about stikha, God is angry at man, not merely because he sinned, but because he doesn't recognize that he sinned. Once he recognizes that his sin is a sin, that already is the reason why God should be angry less. And even the punishment what you owe. So God waives payment if at least you've done the quote-unquote lip service of at least recognizing, truly recognizing, I think, that that you've done it. If you remember on Tefillat of Vidui, Yom Kippur, or in, in, in Vidui, those who say Vidui every day, before we say the actual Vidui, Chatati, Aviti, Pashati, Chatanu, etc., we say, "Sheina nachnu azayfanim ukshay oref lomar lifanecha tzadikim anachnu balochatanu." For we are not 
hard-faced and, and, and stiff-necked to say that we are tzaddikim, we have not sinned. No, we, we have sinned. It's a particular kind of, of psychological structure. A person who refuses to admit that he sinned, that that's the cause of punishment. Uh, what was the turning point in the relationship of Yosef and his brothers? The brothers say, Aval However, lo, behold, we are guilty. That, that, that made the change. That was the beginning of the change in their relationship. The person stands before God and declares that he's a tzaddik, the opening of the, at least the beginning, the opening of the window to forgiveness of sins is the recognition, the inner recognition, the inner awareness that the sin in fact was a sin. And in that sense we can explain the word key in its normal sense. Forgive us God for we have sinned. In other words, for I admit that I have sinned. For I'm saying now that I have sinned. Don't forgive me because I've sinned. Forgive me because I'm saying I have sinned. That already is the beginning of a reason to forgive. Point number two. The end of the bracha clearly is difficult. The conclusion of the bracha, Baruch Atah Hashem, Hanun, Hamar Belisloch. What is Hamar Belisloch? God multiplies. God does a lot of forgiving. Why do we need the word Hamar Behem? No other bracha has it, or you could say it any place. You could say, Baruch Hashem, who, who increases and does a lot of healing. Increases and does a lot of giving sustenance. Increases and does a lot of justice. Only here do we find, blessed are you, O God, merciful, who is who does a lot of forgiving. It is a pasuk, like all the great phrases in Shunasim, taken from a pasuk which most people are familiar with, the Naftarah of the on the past days. Pasuk in Yeshayahu, Yaazov, Rashad, Darkov, Ish Aven, Machshikotav, V'yashov el Hashem v'yirachameyu, V'yel elokeinu, Ki yar belisloch. Return to God. Man should turn to God. Return to God, who will have mercy on him, and to our God, who is Marbelisloch. The fact that God is a Belisloch is the reason why we should turn to him. What does it mean to be Marbelisloch? There's one explanation, it's found in the Balatanya in uh, in Igerat uh, uh, and in other sources as well, that it means that God forgives and repeats the forgiveness. In other words, a person sins, asks for forgiveness, God forgives him. But then the next day he does a sin again. There's a logic that says that you come back a second time, <laughs> it's not that easy to receive forgiveness again. And a third time, and a fourth time. At some point, the forgiveness says, I'm not going to forgive you again. You, I forgave you once and you did it again. So God is, meaning numerically, He forgives many, many times, even the same sin. That's one pshat. It's a good pshat. Another pshat I heard once, was that God forgives not numerically, but in the amount, in the quantity. You might expect, and it makes sense, that the forgiveness from God should be as much as you asked for. 
That's what took place when Moshe Rabbeinu asked for forgiveness for the sin of the spies. And God said to him, Salachti kidvarecha. As you requested, so I forgive. But the Pasuk, but the Bachan, the Pasuk Nishayah was saying that God, in fact, forgives more. I think the reason would be, the explanation would be that when people ask for forgiveness, they themselves are unaware how much forgiveness they need. Because we naturally tend to minimize the severity, minimize our understanding of the consequences of our sins. First of all, because it's human nature. We always tend to judge ourselves leniently and others severely. So I'm willing to ask for forgiveness, but I don't, I don't think it was that bad what I did. But even if you get over that psychological um, unclarity and distortion, a person never truly recognizes how terrible his sins are because we're really unaware of how, of, 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 of on, the, on the metaphysical basis, I can say it, but I don't really feel it, metaphysically, how one sin has destroyed the world. The world was created by God to be good and you've, you've undone all of God's creation by sinning. It's not just that you, you said a bad word, you were mean to somebody, you, you, you ate a little bit of tarifus, You've, you've, you've destroyed the fabric of Kedusha in the world. No one really feels that. No one sees that the way God sees it. The ramifications of sin that are, that are uprooting the upheaval in the realms of Kedusha, which every single sin does. And God forgives it nonetheless. In other words, there's a lot of reasons for God to be much angrier at us than we realize even. And God is Marbel Okay, I think both those explanations are correct. But, I, I, I want to explain why they're correct. And what I think the word Mabeh Islach really means. I think the word Mabeh here is the way you say in rabbinic Hebrew, infinite. The term infinity is a Greek term. Modern Hebrew we say Ein Sof. Medieval Hebrew really it said Ein Sof. But there's no way for Chazal to use that word. It's a Greek concept. Mabeh Islach means that God forgives infinitely. Now you'll say, all of God's powers are infinite. Yeah, that's true. All of God's powers are infinite, but He doesn't necessarily use infinity to do them. If someone is sick, how much healing does He need? He needs a finite amount of healing. If we're hungry, we need a finite amount of food. In the world, God is not using infinite powers. Although He has infinite power. Infinite power was only used by God when He created the world. Creation ex nihilo. Yesh me'ayin, the relationship of the world to nothingness which preceded it is an infinite relationship. But once the world exists, then God fills in the gaps that need to be filled in and they're no bigger than they are big. And that's why we don't say about anything else, hamarbe, to heal. Hamarbe. Because God is not infinitely healing. He's healing a hundred thousand sick people that's 500,000 doses of medicine and that's what he does. But there's one exception. And that's the problem of sin. A person has infinite capability of free will. No matter how much you've sinned, you can sin more. Just as no matter how much you've done good, you can do better. The power to do good is Ad Kisei kavod till God's throne, till the infinite God. And I pointed out when we spoke about Kedusha and the image of God. The upper limit of what man can be is nothing less than God, is infinite. But, but the converse is automatically true as well because man has always free will. And therefore the amount of decadence, the amount of depravity is also not permitted. If you have infinite ability to better, you have infinite ability to worse.
to worship. And therefore, although my sin was finite, I only did one sin, but the free will involved in sin was the use of infinite power. Even the small sin that I did, I did it through the power of B'chirach of Shit. I did it through my human capability to, to, to operate with infinity. Because I'm a Tzalem Alokim, because I'm the image of God. And therefore, I have to appeal to infinite powers of forgiveness to wipe out that sin. Let me explain it a little bit better. There are two reasons, I think, at least, in which we can see why even, even a small, single sin is based on, or, or uh, uh, the forgiveness for it requires an appeal to the infinite reservoir of divine forgiveness. One is because, as I said, I'm, my sin is using my infinite power to sin. But two, something I hinted at before, any sin, in fact, goes back to the undoing of creation. The world as it was created was created to fulfill God's will. Any one sin is the undoing of the act of creation. Now, I know the world continues to exist, but it shouldn't. Rebutna in Bachadzak to Rosh Hashanah explains that that's the meaning of Hashem Hashem, Havaya Havaya Kelachum Bachanun. The Rosh Hashanah Yudzain says, I am God before the Chet, I am God after the Chet. What explains Havaya, the name Yudke Vavke, means creates all the worlds. And as soon as you sin, that name of God is stopped. It's negated. Because the entire world no longer should exist, no longer exists. Therefore God then has to recreate the world. Sin is not a problem in the world like you're missing a little bit of medicine, you're missing a little bit of food. Sin means you're missing existence. And as we said before, existence is ex nihilo, it's yesh me'ayin. To create something existent where nothing existed before requires infinite power. And so slicha is like the recreation of this man from scratch. Once you've sinned, you have no basis for sin whatsoever. So God isn't giving you a little bit of medicine. He's giving you yesh. He's giving you existence. And that requires requires infinite power. This explains why the two explanations I gave before are correct. That's why the Balatani is correct. Since, just to forgive you, God is exercising infinite power forgiveness, then yes, it will also forgive you a second time, and a third time, and a fourth time, and a fifth time, and a fifth time, because it doesn't exist in any proportion to anything. And yes, it's true that when God forgives you, it will be more forgiveness than you asked for. Because forgiveness has to be, there is no forgiveness which begins from less than infinite power of forgiveness. And therefore we say, I'm only asking for what I think is only a little bit. Asking to forgive my 10 sins, my 20 sins, the 30 little sins that I did. But I have to appeal to, Baruch Hashem, Chanun, you are merciful, Amal Be'eslach. I have to face up to the infinity of God when I ask for forgiveness and I don't have to do with other things. But here, if I appeal to less than the infinity of God's forgiveness, I won't achieve any forgiveness at all. Having appealed to the infinity of God's forgiveness, I in fact will achieve more forgiveness than I even asked for, more than I deserve.
And that's the special quality being expressed in this bracha, Baruch Hanun Hamabed Thank you. Kol Tov.